88.3 FM. My name is AJ Whelan and I'm joined this week by Oren. Oren, welcome. Hello, what's so, the crack? Oren has been on before, uh, but not... It's been a while. It's been a long time. The last time you were on, it was, I, I think it was in the top, my first 10. And my, the podcasts, which are now on Spotify, start at 11. Oh, so, uh, you, you intentionally left me out, basically, is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, it was, it was an avid choice that I made. I, I know what I did. Uh, so we're going to start off this week, we're going to go straight into it with a bit of a, a bit of Queen. So this week is going to be 1970s classic rock, and there's no other one to... There's no other one to start off with than a Queen. I didn't know this was live. This is live. This is We Will Rock You. Clearly my first time playing this single. Here we go. Actually, not gonna lie, both of our first time listening to that. I bought that single on April 29th uh, in a vinyl fair in Balancholic, and I there was a, there was a few there was a few vinyls there. I saw I picked a, I got a few vinyls and I got a few little little, uh, uh, little singles. Another one was "Staying Alive" by the Bee Gees original single, and there was another one uh, that came off the top of my head. But I got that for a fiver, and on the B side of that is a uh, crazy little thing about love. It must also Lovely. be live, but like I, I've never heard that version before. It's really good. Yeah, I, I loved it. It's a bit more kind of life to it. It's a bit faster, a bit kind of a bit more melodic than the normal one. I feel the normal one's very, as, as I was saying when it was on, it's a bit chanty. It's yeah. almost kind of it's to get the crowd dun, joining dun, in, and that was the whole point of writing that song. But whereas this is just like yeah, you you, you rock to this one. You don't go. You, you can go along, right? Yeah, there's a bit more rhythm, like, you know. Oh yeah, but like that was 1979. We, we were just talking about. The turn of the sixties to the seventies, like that that era, like that that year, because like the sixties and seventies music is quite similar. But there was, you could see the seventies were coming. Like in sixty eight, like I'm talking like specifically like with the Beatles, you could see sixty eight, sixty nine. Okay, they're changing their music. You can see the progression exactly. towards a more modern sound. Yeah, but if, I always think the sixties is like 
the most insane decade ever. If you look at the music yeah. that was coming out in 1960 as opposed to 1969, and then if you take the same with 1970 and 1979, like the yeah. 60s is worlds apart. Like culture just exploded. Like whereas in the 70s, like they from what the bands like the Beatles, the Grateful Dead, all them had done, they knew that it was possible to bring out music that they want uh, that was made the way they wanted to and that it could do well you know yeah uh, I just I love that you just reminded me there last week I was going to my back catalogue of, of podcasts and I remember it was early on this year I think it was in March uh, this year uh, Dark Side of the Moon turned 40 50. no 50 <laughs> that's it I had 83 in my head uh, it turned 50 which is huge but the same day that turned 40 that turned 50 uh, the Beatles album What's it called? That's a great one. No, that's not. <laughs> that was a compilation. Uh, <laughs> albums show all go down off the top of my head. Uh, with the Beatles. That's the, what, their second the, one? Ex- the second one turned 60. Yeah. Like, 1963, the Beatles with the Beatles. 1973, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. That gap, that change in 10 years is just, it's on, you can't really grasp it. Like, 10 years ago, I said this in, in a podcast. If you take music now and take music 10 years ago, there's no real difference. No. Like, recording-wise, maybe, you know, software got better and maybe the, the equipment got obviously better because the equipment's always getting better. But, like, te- like 50, 60 years ago, 50 years ago, that, that 10-year gap from Please, 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 with the Beatles to, uh, to Tax Head of the Moon, that is just you can't, unimaginable change. Because when you think, like, with the Beatles, a very pop-orientated album, um, all covers and, and all 50 covers exactly yeah they're barely writing any of the songs themselves and that's like the height of artistic yeah. expression that was it's it, a good like, album don't get me wrong but like if you look at even what the Beatles were to do, to do later on in their career like yeah, that's huge like that was the height of artistic expression and then Dark Side just blows everything open you know just even one year later they go they had in 1964 they had A Hard Day's Night and Beatles for Sale and Beatles for Sale was one of the very first ever covers to have colour on it like yeah. that one year gap but then go in 1973, you have uh, Back to Side of the Moon and you have every song transitioning. You have mad sound, like mad sounds in a... In it's a, very avant-garde. Like it's kind of very, make, making... One of the first bands to like make music out of untraditional instruments and instrumentation, you know? Yeah. Even like The Ticking Clock. I was watching a video recently. The Ticking Clock at the start of time is... Roger Waters covering his bass strings and plucking at the the very back of it by the, oh, really? the bridge with his fingers to make a ticking noise. Like they're just very unconventional methods yeah, that they yeah, use yeah. to create this incredible sound, and they made an album out of it. It's, it's insane. Like if you took all that, like it wrote a list of what they did, and then brought it ten years earlier. People were like, "Get out of my studio! Like, I'm not making that. What are you doing? doing? Like, yeah. yeah, this is ridiculous. Like, like I know, that's not music. I know for time, you know, sounds." What? All the alarm clocks go off. Yeah, I know that was taken from some guy. One of the there was some guy who was taking B footage for documentaries, not like a specific documentary, just like anything. That like that was his job to just go away and create B footage, and he did that. But no one used it because it was just weird. And then Pink Floyd would like having that, and then yeah. it went to the greatest albums ever. It's just it's mad, and it's ah. Oh, I, I think that the seventies is the. I think the 60s is the most important era for music. 100%. I think the 70s is the best. Yeah, I'd, I'd struggle to, to disagree with you on that yeah. one. Uh, I think from that, what year is this from? 1974. So a year later, 1974, uh, we, we're going to a band called Budgie. Before today, I have never heard of them. I would lie to you. And we, we're going to a most song. Most people probably won't have heard of them, but they are fantastic. Whatever happens next is not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to the CD player for this one this is called a crash course in brain surgery this is I know what, I'm going to let the music talk for itself
Ooh, that was very like Rush. Yeah, they they often get um compared the singer the, the singers of both of them kind of have a quite a high registered voice. Um, we when, often get compared in that sense. When did Rush begin? The technically began in the late sixties in in Toronto, but it was kind of mid seventies, really before the time they actually got going and got a record deal and were were touring on a, a larger scale. You know, would you say Robert Plant was probably one of the first male singers to, you know, because like Robert, Plant, what's the man name from Deep Purple? Ian Gillen, I'm assuming they had a few singers, but Ian Gillen would no, have been the most. The guy who Robert Plant hated, and then did you give oh, him? Uh, David Coverdale. David Coverdale, yeah, he's yeah. in Whitesnake as well. He is like those. What's whoever that singer? What's what's man's name? Man's name? Burke Shelley from Budgie. For Burke Shelley, who you just heard there, uh, Robert Plant, your man from Rush, and David Coverdale. Coverdale. Coverdale, yeah. Yeah, they all have similar sounding voice, but I would say. Uh, but Coverdale's always a bit more bluesy. He's a bit a bit lower down, definitely. Whereas. Um, They'd be a bit higher on the register, right? Yeah, but I t- they don't a very distinct sound though. But if if you played that for me before today, I would have said that was Rush. I just yeah. remember because I ne- before today I never heard of uh, Budgie. But honestly, in, in very interesting this, the album is called In for the Kill, but they're not on Spotify. Apparently. Well, no, they are on Spotify, but they they're so their first two albums and kind of a song or two here and there that are on it. Uh, they're not they're not the biggest band ever, which is probably why they don't mm. have stuff on Spotify, but. Very influential, despite the fact that, you know, most people probably wouldn't have heard of them. Like, um, Metallica do covers of two of their songs, including the one you just heard there, which is Crash Course and Brain Surgery, and also a, bla- uh, a song they have called Bread Fan. It appeared on their Garage Inc. Um, or Garage Days uh, EP they brought out in 1987. Um, yeah, there is a lot. They, ha- they have this as a single in 71. Oh, the album was 74, but this yeah, is a single actually, 71. Yeah, they brought it out as a single before that, and they... they Put it on that album then afterwards. It's probably used to push sales a small bit. Possibly, yeah. Um, they're a great band, really influential, particularly to early heavy metal, like bands like Metallica, Iron Maiden, uh, Megadeth. All these bands have been heavily influenced by by Budgie. I love, um, I love the the work on the, the work on the back. Like I love with a CD because you know they try to make uh, they try to make what? It's on the it's in the record behind you. You can see oh, it even better. Oh, it is, yeah. I forgot we have it. Oran, Oran was very good. I asked one to bring in CDs and vinyl of the same thing. So, like, you know, chop and change because I, I knew you would have them because your collection's huge. Because, yeah. you know, your dad's been collecting. Oh, shout out to Oran's dad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know he said you're listening. Shout out to Paul Hunt. Hi, Paul. Good to see you. Oh, good for you to hear me. <laughs> I never know what to say. I, I always mess up the goodbye. So thanks. Please listen next week, or please listen to me next week. Or it's good. Thank you for listening. Good to see you. Thank you. Please. <laughs> I always mess it up. But yeah, to whoever's listening, uh, make sure to record this and embarrass Oren later because all his friends came to the window during that song. It is. And uh, I wasn't embarrassed. It's though. very hard to embarrass one. I know that from experience. But uh, yeah, the back of this is very interesting because I love when because you know on Spotify they try to. Uh, make you know Spotify songs more you know interactive by putting on the, those videos yeah. while you're playing it but like they're grand but like with, with most vinyl you get picture in the front picture in the back picture inside and a booklet sometimes sometimes yeah and like you can't you can't you can recreate it on Spotify but I don't think it's the same effect they all say the CDs kill the album cover and uh, stuff like Spotify just put the final nail in the coffin because yeah. like, when you look at, like if you pick up that the vinyl like I have that exact album on vinyl and, and CD in front of us and like the detail on the vinyl and actually having it in front of you I don't know there's just something so pleasing about it yeah um, like you feel like oh th- this is mine like I always say that like, you have a connection with it you have to go to the shop get yeah. by yourself but you also home. immerse yourself a bit more and you listen to because like if I'm listening to Spotify I probably just, I could be walking somewhere I could be on the bus I yeah. could be driving I don't know whatever it is I, I often do doing chores and stuff whereas if I'm putting on a record I have to go to my collection I've pulled it out I've taken it out I've put the turn the record player on and put it on and I, I like I'll bring out the lyrics in front of me I'll have everything there and I'll just probably listen to it and won't really be doing much else yeah and you you listen to it more and it's you appreciate it more I sound a bit more like a bit cliche or a bit kind of like oh, records are way better to listen to I don't, uh, I don't yeah, want to sound like you know some fancy pants like but, experience but like it is kind of true in a way because you, you I suppose you pay more bit more attention to it I think and if it's your own money you kind of be more you know you buy Spotify, you get the entire music history of everything ever. Yeah. But then if you buy... Except for Budgie. <laughs> except for most of the Budgie stuff. But then if you, you know, if you go away and you buy an album and you only half like the album, because you spent the money on it, you're like, okay, this is mine now. I have to learn to I'm, love this. And I'm going to listen to it. You're going to listen to it. Keep on listening to it. Yeah, Unless exactly. You absolutely hate it, in which case you can always return it. Yeah, but look. 
But always like, just give it to someone else or sell it or something, you know, someone will like it. But usually, you know, with second-hand stores, you can go back and trade it. Yeah, like, very they, true. They just take it. You're like, oh, yeah, just take anyone there you, you like. Like one time I got a, I'm, this is actually really embarrassing, I got a, a best of Ringo Starr. What? And the only Was there so- anything on it? Oh, his song Photograph. That's all I wanted because I didn't have it. Uh, and then I bought it home, played it. It was horribly like scratch. Horribly. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And the, but the best thing about it is, to this day, that was in like maybe fifth or sixth year. To this day, I would go to the shop. It's not there. Come back a week later. later it's there again. <laughs> so like, it's back. not. It's not, <laughs> not happening, just you. <laughs> it's to multiple people. The shop needs to just stop taking it back. It, that was vinyls. No, that was records and relics. They're, oh, well, they're, they're gone, they're gone now. You know, your man's sadly, yeah. your man's left just Adios. after after the last show from last semester, which was. Uh, can't remember. In April, uh, he closed up shop. Well, I got a few f- f- good, good, good. I good did discount. too, but I bought um, Outlandos de Amor by uh, the police in there and I opened it up and it was some dodgy opera on the record. <laughs> like, man, scam me. That is close. There's a lesson here, kids. You gotta check your vinyls. Yeah, don't buy off some dodgy lads on Oliver Plunkett Street. No. But I got a. I, I, I can't remember. This, this, this can't be true. I'm pretty sure I got the white album on the last day of, of, of Records and Relics from the Beatles. Interesting. But no, I didn't have one. anything in it besides just, you know, the, the box on it, the sleeves and stuff, and uh, like the poster wasn't there. That would have made it cost way, way more. But anyway, we've, we've been talking long enough. We're going to go back to the turntable. We Turntable or vinyl player? I'd say turntable. Yeah, I kind of I kind of just go with the flow, really, because I, I, I don't really... It says turntable here, so I always read it and say it, but I would you almost say vinyl player or record player. Record player. I wouldn't say vinyl player. That's, I don't think anyone says that. Well, anyway, well, I do. Look, okay, well, look, we'll let you off. Well, now we're going to go up to uh, uh, Pink Floyd from the album Wish You Were Here. It's the one after Dark Side, and this is a great song, but a bit different. You can introduce what it calls? It's called Have a Cigar. It's a great song. Dude, don't ask me, because I'm not allowed to advocate the cigar. That's true, actually, yeah, don't, don't do that. Don't have a cigar, but this is Have a Cigar.
Oh, Wish You Were Here album. That's not the album, is it? That is the album. That is the album, yeah. yeah. Wish You Were Here, Pink Floyd, 1974. Five. <laughs> I thought we... we oh, no. The no, last Budgie, yeah. Budgie the Budgie album was 74. This one was 75. And then Dark Side of the Moon was 73. Did they have... Did Pink Floyd not have anything in 74 or so? No, because they... seven Like, in 73, when Dark Side broke, it just... So took big. them to heights they'd never been at before and they just spent the whole year touring like so and probably on drugs uh, just, oh definitely big time <laughs> how do you think they wrote that <laughs> I was just saying there the, the end like the that, that little riff they have is very sp- that must be, it must be on a keyboard it's very yeah yeah very that, space age it's very um, it's Rick Wright who's the keyboard player unbe- unbelievable keyboardist but uh Definitely, possibly early kind of synthesizer yeah. use there going on, but um, yeah, in, in, incredible song. And it, what you'd note as well is that it's um, none of the people in the band are singing there. It's actually Roy Harper, who um, was in the studio next to them, and they were repeatedly recording the song with both Roger Waters and David Gilmore attempting to sing it, and it just it wasn't working. They just didn't like it the way is, it sounded, and they couldn't figure it out. Is he credited, Roy Harper? Roy Harper, he probably is in the, the liner notes of the album. Maybe he's not. I, I'm like not too sure. Say, you know, on Spotify, Pink Floyd, comma Roy Harper. I don't think so. No, but um, he was in the studio next to him. He, he was a friend of theirs, and he kind of was just sitting in with them when they were recording. And then he said he could give it a go if they wanted. And they were like, "Oh yeah, go on." I did, and he killed it. And it, he sounds very different to how he'd sing his own stuff because a lot of his stuff is kind of folky. It's not really. Yeah, I can tell kind of, here when I look at the picture. He looks. It's clearly a country singer. It, yeah, I know the name. And I didn't, I, I didn't recognize it until he said it there. Because the first time he said it off, you know, off air, I was like, okay, I don't know who that is. But then Roy Harper, whatever way you said it, it just, oh, he's, a, he's just. He's, I he was know a good the friend name. of Zeppelin as well. And they actually have a, they have a song called Hats Off to Roy Harper, the last song on uh, Led Zeppelin 3, named after him. Oh, that's Led Zeppelin 2. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. I think Jimmy Page did a bit of work on him as well. I'm not too sure, but. Um, yeah, he's kind of involved in a lot of those those 70s rock bands, yeah. Speaking of the synthesizer, last week I had uh, the album, uh, one uh, album, Daft Punk album, but one, one more time, one last time, one more time. What's that, what's that album called? Uh, it is called Discovery, Daft Punk Discovery. And on it, there was uh, the song Jojo. Uh, anyway, there was... There was a fact about no, they were that was two thousand one, and they were using uh, what's that auto tune, you know, yeah. that, that kind of t- equivalent in two thousand one, and they were getting stick for it. But then they said, I didn't notice in the seventies, French musicians wanted to ban the synthesizer. Ah, that's just the French, isn't it? Like I suppose it is, but like that's mad. The synthesizer is one of like the bases of like most. 80s anyway uh, yeah in the past people did weird things like in the uh, in the 30s jazz music was banned in Ireland was it actually yeah I, see, I can see why we were a bit of a backwards country <laughs> we were a backwards country I never liked jazz though I wouldn't mind I saw <laughs> ban it again <laughs> I wouldn't mind banging it again but like I, ah, saw, no, I, I saw a post jazz. during the week and this scared me it says jazz is on the revival and I said oh no I, ah, I, some jazz is amazing some jazz, like, I I just don't get it. I can listen. I listen to it. I have on. I could, if it's in the background and I walk into a place, I wouldn't be like, oh no, not this absolute tripe. But like, I wouldn't. I'd never put it on. I I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, interest. That's fair. Well, I, I do love listening to a bit of Django Reinhardt. Very fond of his stuff. But to be honest, it jazz is quite similar with me in that I'd like I'd kind of put it on in the background if I like. It's 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 a nice kind of sounding music to just kind of have playing, you know, and. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, I do enjoy it, but I wouldn't listen very intently to it. I would say. I know my dad has a few uh, records at home that he's picking up. Some are original, some are just like really good quality. Because you know, it's, he some he uses to test the hi-fi. Because you know, there's constantly new hi-fi going in and out, going in and out. Yeah. So uh, and then the best stuff is like you could get you know testers on YouTube, but the best thing is analog testing, where the like original like uh, the original version of. The Frank Sinatra in the wee small hours this morning. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, I've heard of it. It wouldn't be very knowledgeable on Frank Sinatra, to be honest, but I've it's heard it. It's not one yeah. of his best albums, but it has some of his best songs. This Individually, one of those. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, but that album is so well recorded. It's considered one of the best recorded and sounding albums ever because if you have a, a decent speaker, it feels like he's in the room with you. It's how good it is. Yeah. Which is mad for an album that came out in the very early 60s. I think it was... I'm not going to guess because I don't know... But early sixties is it was a I think is a time frame. But like that, that's very good for over sixty years ago. 
Incredible, uh, yeah. And now we're going to go to the year 1972. The band is Argus and the album... That, all the way around. No! <laughs> ah, damn it! <laughs> so close. It was honestly a 50-50 and I thought, okay, this is clearly... We want to see this one, so this has to be the band. But no, Argus is the album. Because Argus sounds like a name of a band. Wish, wishing, Wishbone Ash sounds like an album. Wishbone Ash is also an album. It's their first one, but you know, Wishbone Ash is still the, the band name with that one too. God damn it. We're going to the <laughs> CD player anyway. We're going back... Uh, 51 years uh, well technically we're only going back uh, 32 years to when the CD came out but anyway this is older than both of us and it's a good crack this is the song is called I'll let you introduce it actually Sometime World it's a great song um, brilliant band and I was struggling to pick the song off this album to be honest I was like oh that one's amazing that one's amazing but I just kind of like pointed at this and was like I'll play that one it's class okay this is uh, Sometime World by Wishbone Ash yes got it right that time World has passed him by Told to me all his troubles But the world made him cry Life kept him
oh it's done <laughs> it is done I I was we were so into that we were putting away the other stuff that uh, completely uh, you know what I'm probably going to turn it off <laughs> <laughs> that was actually going to the next song which is called Blowing Free so that Great was too. Uh, the album was called Argus and the band was called Wishbone Ash Ash <laughs> and that came out in 1972 so Oren you tell me that you have a story for me well I've got a couple um so originally, Wishbone Ash were kind of flying under the radar in the whole rock scene. The person who discovered them was none other than Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple, Ooh. who found them and managed to get them a record because he really liked their style. Because um, quite a lot of similarities in style to at least Blackmore individually, because they've a lot of interest in kind of medieval themes, and they're quite a proggy band. Like they've a lot of songs about the middle ages and like swords and kings I got and that vibe from the cover it, yeah. exactly the cover what? is uh, well it looks like at the back of a Spartan I'm actually uh, that, the cover was I was coming on to next this is the story you'll like oh, here so we go. there is, is a this, rumour is this John Lennon <laughs> <laughs> no it's George Harrison no, you, come on you, you can't see it's just the back of someone's head you can look up the album well the album is on right now it's on AJ's jukebox This as, as we're going I'm adding every single single Every song we're listening to onto this album. This album is just, just, it just hit 30 hours long. Playlist. <laughs> oh, feck it. How, how many times did I say album? Like a, four. A few times, yeah. AJ's Jukebox playlist on Spotify. Uh, 442 songs, 30 hours of music there. A, a wide variety of songs on there. Yeah, so. Going back to the story anyway. Uh, so apparently there's a rumor that the person on that album who you've, said as John Lennon apparently um, may have been the influence for George Lucas's design of Darth Vader I see it there are, oh. there's a lot of rumours going around how, how did this rumour begin I don't know it's just one of those things that like if you're a Wishbone Ash fan you just kind of know that this is uh, whether it's true or not I have no idea but uh, I don't think anyone really knows but it is I mean it would make sense this came out in 1972 the first hour was came out in 78 but like but, yeah, obviously George George, George Harrison <laughs> George Harrison very he wrote uh, My Sweet Lord and uh, Star Wars A New Hope yeah, but no George Lucas I can see it generally the cape the helmet now the spear always might be you know you have to make that spacey but like I can see it yeah a lot of the themes I suppose like as I said the album is a lot about um, swords and sorcery kind of thing you know they're very progressive in that sense you can, you oh, can yeah. see George Lucas having an interest in that sort of music when you think of like the Themes that he gets from the Lord of the Rings for the Star Wars movies, you know? The king will come, warrior, yeah. throw down the, store, the sword, no easy road. Well, like, they, that could be used for anything, I suppose. But, like, yeah, you know what? I, I get it. I really like that. They're a brilliant, brilliant band. Um, but I was just saying there at the beginning of... Uh, I was looking at their Spotify. This, this was quite clearly, from, from their Spotify looking at it, uh, this is clearly their best album in their top ten, uh, six, seven other songs are just from this album yeah it's, it is their number one and th- this album is huge as well because they're a, a bit like Budgie they're not as big as they deserve to be but their influence can't be denied either because they're pretty much the first band to have dual lead guitars yes which I, which I was saying that. to when we were off air there and any kind of hard rock heavy metal band that came later that did that like Judas Priest Iron Maiden Metallica Rush. Megadeth not Rush because Rush were only their one guitarist but um, I thought they had two lead no, they're only three members in the band, but... Am I t- who am I thinking of, so? Did Guns N' Roses have two leads? They did, yeah. They, well, they had two guitarists in the I part. must be thinking of that. But all those bands, it, a Thin Lizzy particularly, actually, because it always gets um, that idea of dual lead guitarist credit is often given to, to Thin Lizzy for that. But it's actually... It comes from Wishbone Ash. And those bands that I mentioned, they're hugely influenced. Like, if you ask... There's actually an interview with Steve Harris from Iron Maiden, and he was saying that, like if people really wanted to get a good idea of what he was trying to achieve in mm. the early 80s with the early Iron Maiden stuff, he said, listen to that album in particular. They're British, are they? They are, yeah, they're English, yeah. That's, um, that's the, the vibe I got off that. And it's, yeah, they're, they're incredible. The, the guitar work of, uh, of Andy Powell and Ted Turner is amazing on that album, and not on all their stuff, but um, yeah, very influential sound, even though you know, they, don't, they don't always get the credit they're due, unfortunately, but fantastic band nonetheless and as you said while we're off air there's only one guy still going but the band is still going they are still going yeah they had an album out a couple of years ago they're still touring around um, Andy Powell is the is one of the lead guitarists and he's still there he's been there for 50 something years but um, Jail Bait uh, they, had, they have a very recently had a single come out which called Jail no, Bait which jail, is, it's a live it's version a, yeah. of an old song I imagine it is it's yeah Jail Bait Live it's on their second album yeah one minute oh, one song six and a half minutes long 
just must, must be an old one. <laughs> it must be. There's no way they release six and a half minute singles these days. Not a chance. People attention span are too short. Hundred percent. But they're speaking of song lengths. Like they've got live versions of some songs that are twenty minutes long. You know, they just they're a, they're an incredibly pro- progressive band. Like um, that's Mac. Like I couldn't play the guitar correctly. 20 minutes of us drumming oh, the same thing they're a crazy band like they're, they're ridiculous like, I love them they're absolutely ridiculous like some of their songs will just opens with a massive guitar solo oh, I gotta investigate this, this band more they're fantastic we're now gonna move to a band that everyone's a bit more familiar with this is we're gonna move to the turntable to Black Sabbath I cannot remember the name of the song it's called Supernaut enjoy <laughs>
That was Supernaut by Daft Punk. <laughs> <laughs> no! No! Damn it! No! Beck's sake! <laughs> I meant Black Sabbath. <laughs> uh, same thing, really. Very similar. <laughs> I don't even know where I came from. I was fully thinking of your man Ozzy Osbourne as well. And I was like, oh, yeah, Daft Punk. Oh, fuck's sake. Oh, I can't even remember what I was going to say. I'm though. never, ever going to live that down. <laughs> that is so <laughs> This show is about music history. And... <laughs> That I'm I'm so sorry. Uh, if you move to another channel, I think I think the nearest one is C103. We can't really blame them either. After that, <laughs> this is just fair enough. Uh, Supernaut. I'll let I'll let you talk about it while I recover. Fair. Um, so phenomenal album. Uh, came after they had three albums that did very well in the charts. Um, in a row, and. Their third album, Master of Reality, had kind of reached new levels of heaviness. They'd dropped, they'd tuned their guitars lower than ever before. And they, like, it was an incredibly heavy album, both musically and like lyrically. They'd, um, I'll be honest, they'd been smoking a lot of weed <laughs> and really affected how they wrote the album. And then for this album, uh, Volume 4 is the name of it, they rented out a mansion in Bel Air and... They literally had like amplifiers full of cocaine shipped into them. All right. Um. Yeah. They changed the drug and it changed the album as well. So it's you can really hear the cocaine influence in the whole album. To be honest, it's really ridiculous stuff. They're really showing off and they're just incredibly overconfident. Yeah. And, and you can hear the cocaine effects in you Ozzy Osbourne here this day. You st- he's still on it. Um. Yeah. It's it really did affect him the whole time and it it resulted in an album that was musically as heavy as the one previous but was done so differently and the lyrics are like the lyrics aren't as much about doom and death and destruction they're a bit more this came out in 1972 the one before this was Master of Reality which came out in 1971 and then before that was uh, uh, what's it called Paranoid that was the big one yes oh yes that was you bought that one on last time I love that one Uh, those are three really good albums back to back to back yeah. Which is a great start for a And band. a great one before and a great one after as well. What was the one before? One before uh, was Black Sabbath. And Black then the Sabbath. one after this was um, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, released a year later. Um, like, 1970, they had two albums come out. Yeah. That's mad. And then they had 70, 70, 71, 72, and 73. And then they took they took a year off. They finally did, yeah. They, they took a bit of a break after this album as well. Um, and it was the first time they'd ever done that because they just needed it. They were so drained from it because Tony Iommi, the guitarist, nearly died of a cocaine overdose after coming off stage. Um, Fucking well, baby. But they were so... The amount of drugs they were taking was just incredible. Like, none of them probably should have survived it. And they all went out to see um, the French Connection, which was in cinema at the time, in Bel Air, in a local cinema. And if anyone doesn't know what that movie is, it's about a, a police busting a heroin ring, basically. Um... <laughs> And they were like, oh my God, we're going to be caught, we're going to get arrested. And they, were, they all started freaking out because they thought they were all going to get uh, caught by the by the cops. So um, yeah, it was a bit of a nervous experience for them, but uh, it's a phenomenal album, phenomenal song, that as well. So, uh, it, was a fair, it was a favorite song of um, uh, John Bonham, drummer of Led Zeppelin. And, and you can tell straight away because it's quite a, a drum heavy song. Um, and it's the song as well that they used to, when they were performing live, it used to be like, the drum solo song, you know, they kind of, the other lads would go off for about 10 minutes and just let Bill Ward, the drummer, at it. Who knew Daft Punk could do it? Like? I know, incredible. <laughs> um, but brilliant, and you can, you, can, you can really hear the time that this album came out because in that kind of drum-heavy section, there's these little instruments in the background. I have no idea what they're called, but they, they're basically... To find it there. Yeah, we were looking up and we have no idea, but they African were... African Cabasa was the closest thing we could find to the name of it, but yeah. it, we know it's not it. But basically, there's these things where, where you they have a handle, and when you spin them, it makes a creaking sound. Mm. And they were huge in the 1970 World Cup, the one that famous Brazilian team won. Vuvuzela? And no, because no, I was about to say, it reminds me of the Vuvuzelas in 2010 in South Africa. It's oh, that, that it's, was 2010, yeah. It's, it's that kind of idea of like an inst- like mm. the crowd just all going mad with these things. So that was the World Cup that had just happened and they're all massive football fans. So it was very it fresh really in their well. memory and <laughs> you can hear it in the song. Ozzy probably got PTSD. Oh, probably, yeah. That like The stories you told me about, like before... I never really knew about Black Sabbath. I knew they were a band in the, in 
I didn't know when, but I knew they were banned for before my time. And I knew that Ozzy Osbourne was a big name, but that was it. And then in like sixth year, you started telling me these mental stories about Ozzy Osbourne and his like his bats and his like doves. There's a few doves. animals. Yeah. I'm yeah, actually I'm not going to probably not going to tell out the radio. Uh, you know, just just because it might be, you know, family members watching. <laughs> Possibly. Well, there was, was one about the sedated bat on the stage. I don't know if it was sedated. It was sedated afterwards. I heard someone said it was sedated. Because I remember you told me, basically, it was a bat thrown on stage. Yeah. And, he and just, then he just took it, took a bite out of it. Hey, bit his head off. Yeah. But then someone... Not the uh, first animal whose head he bit off either. No. He, he, he's a weird fish. He's, he's, yeah, he's, 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 not, he's not your usual character, I no, wouldn't say. No, definitely like. not. But, but like, when you said that, I was like, how the hell did it... Why didn't the bat just fly away? And then I heard, actually, like the last two months, I heard someone say, oh, the, the bat was sedated when it was thrown on stage. And I was like, surely... Like, Possibly Someone would have noticed a, Like a live bat He thought it was plastic <laughs> God bless him Yeah That's, that's what he said the, anyway That's just all the drugs they're on Probably yeah He was Definitely on a lot of them at the time Definitely a lot of them We're gonna move to the A little bit later in the 70s That's the Oh my god it's 52 Okay we're gonna uh, Yeah it's in the player It's in the player we have, The next one's in the player It's uh, uh, Riff Raff Have I Number 4 this is Riff Raff by ACDC off their 1978 album Powerage.
Okay, so I understand that this uh, that this song goes on for another minute and a bit. It goes, it's only four minutes in now, and it finishes up in fifth five at five twelve. But I want to get one more song in while Lauren's here. I need to say goodbye, and there's someone coming in. Uh, so I just out of respect for the next person. So uh, thank you very much for listening. This has been Violence and Vibe. Myself has been Ivan AJ Whelan, and I have my guest on Oren, Oren Hunt. Yo, thank you for coming on. Sound I appreciate ha- it. I will have you back on because your knowledge of what you your, your knowledge of your music is surpasses of my knowledge of your music so it's good to play your songs and you know because you you have some like wish but wish wishbone ash and uh budgie are two bands who before this week when you show me the stuff i'd never heard before yeah and I, I like their stuff i'm gonna do a bit more investigating to them and I ha- i'll play them more but i need to bring you back on brilliant when i do play them so you can talk about them looking forward to it so uh thank you very much for listening this has been ucc 98.3 fm it is tr- just over two minutes to three uh, I'm going to end on 1967, Jimi Hendrix, but it's Jimi Hendrix, so it's not, you can't really complain. This is Foxy Lady. I'll see you next week. Goodbye.